So here we are on Easter. Someone was asked this past week, one of you this past week was asked about Easter coming up this Sunday. And here was their response. I loved it. Oh, but it's Easter at our house every day. Is it not? If we're celebrating the very resurrection of Jesus Christ in our personal lives every day, then it's going to be obvious in how life is lived and how we do life on the normal routines that come to us as we walk through this incredible journey that God's given us. So there is a gentleman in the New Testament. You've heard about him. His name is, well, was Saul. And one day... As an individual who was commissioned by the religious leaders, he was going to another city to arrest, to punish, and to imprison those who were serving Christ. As he was on that journey, he encountered the resurrected Christ. So here's my point to be made from that. Any of us, I don't care who we are, whether we're on the Damascus Road or not, we all, when we encounter Christ, will be changed. Please understand this. I'm going to say this with all the love that I can. If you're here, if you're sitting here today and you're saying, I've encountered the resurrected Christ and your life hasn't changed, I'm sorry, you do not know Jesus. Is that clear? Your life, and not only has it changed, there's those instantaneous things that God does, and a lot has to do with what age we are and how far in sin we have gone, but there is this incredible, continual transforming that God does in our lives every day. It was my joy, March the 28th, to celebrate 52 years of knowing Christ. And my question is, to me, How is it today compared to then? Can I ask you the same question? We're going to get into it a little deeper in a moment. Can I ask you the same question? If you know the day, and not everybody does, that's fine. Some people just, God does so much in their life and they can't really give that day. But you know that Christ came into your life. You know that you're a new person. You've experienced that new birth. Then the question is, how are you doing now compared to how you were previously? That's a valid question. We're going to give you that challenge before we leave today. So Saul, who on the Damascus road encounters the resurrected Christ, and then later on his name is changed to Paul, is writing to the folks at Philippi from a prison, and he writes these words, but everything was gained to me. Everything was gained to me. I was a religious person. I was doing what I was expected to do. In fact, you could say this. Saul was the up and coming. He was the next guy. He was the guy who would have had the headlines. He was the guy who was going to be commissioned to do all this incredible work. And look what he says. All that stuff. He says, I was born a Jew, Hebrew. I was in the ruling class. And all those things I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that all of us have to dump everything like Paul did and and start over in a new venture? It means that wherever we are, when Christ comes in, our life is changed and transformed. And all those things that we thought were so important. Remember all the stuff that was so important? 
Let's go back a few years. Some of you haven't lived long enough to know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to find out who the old folks are. How many of you remember a singer by the name of Tom Jones? How many of you remember Spiegel Catalog? You got some great folks. So in that day, in my teenage years, I got the Spiegel Catalog and I ordered me a new Tom Jones outfit. It had the ruffled puff sleeves, the bell-bottom pants. It had it all. (laughs) That was a thing back in the day. That's right. So what did I do? When it came in the mail, got it washed up. I'm not sure I even washed it, to be honest. Put it on because there was a dance at the county fairground that night. And I can't tell you how proud I was when I walked into that dance with my Tom Jones outfit on. And half of the congregation here today doesn't even know who Tom Jones is or what he wore or who cares. It comes, it goes. It's the reality of all of it. And that's what Paul is saying. Those things that have come in our lives that were so important to us at the time And we're not minimizing the realities of God in relationship and all the things he does as far as family, as far as endeavors and enterprise. But we're talking about the stuff that just is stuff. And relationships that are built on something way less than has anything to do with God. Paul says, I'm just counting that as lost. He says, more than that, listen carefully, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Rubbish. Trash. All those things are so important that we spend so much money on, we spend so much time on, we spend so much effort and energy on. And Paul says, and see, by the way, you have to understand a lot of his was spent in things of religion and religiosity. And even that can be such a waste. And in comparison to the relationship, the intimacy of knowing Jesus Christ, it is nothing but rubbish. Why? So I can gain Christ. So I can gain Christ. I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know him. Look what it says. And may be found in him, not having righteousness of my own derived and derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul is saying to every one of us sitting here today, we all live in this relationship with Christ on a basis of faith. And if it isn't that, it isn't. No matter what we've done, no matter what hurdles we've jumped through, no matter what practices we've gone through, no matter what traditions we've honored, all of those things, Paul is saying to each of us, if it is not based on faith, it is not in relationship to God. And here's the verse. Here's where we're getting to. That I may know him. Okay. It's Easter Sunday. We should be able to do this. How many of you here today know him? Excellent. He 
says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. How many of you here today know him in the power of his resurrection? Amen. But Paul doesn't stop there. Look what he says. That I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering. How many of you know him in the fellowship of his suffering? Oh, he doesn't quit there. He says, oh, that I may know him and be conformed to his death. You say, wait a minute, I'm still alive. How can that be? It can simply be because of the fact that we have died to self. So that Christ the Christ, the one that we are so desperate to know, lives in us. And all this happens as we know by the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So how many here today know what it is to be conformed to his death? All right, let's stop and pray. Holy Father, it should be that every one of us who know you, Lord Christ, know what it is to live in this relationship with you of fellowshipping in your suffering and being conformed to your death. So whatever it is, Holy Spirit, you have to do in every one of our lives so that not one person leaves this building today with not knowing and not understanding the difference that it makes to just know you and to know you in the power of your resurrection in the fellowship of your suffering and be conformed to your death in order that each one of us may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Randy just gave us a beautiful picture. Randy accepted Christ a few weeks ago. And today, in a public display of his obedience and honoring Christ, he was baptized. And the baptism for us as believers is an outward picture of an inward experience. How many of you have been baptized by immersion? Okay. The reason I ask that is because not everybody baptizes by immersion. I'm not picking on your denomination if you happen to be here and you're not one of those that has. But biblically, it's hard to get past the fact that Jesus came out of the water and the word baptism itself means to dunk. So it's a little hard to say, well, that, there's only another way to do it. Only one way. Well, guess what? The Bible's pretty clear. And so we, each one of us, at some point in time, hopefully, prayerfully, stood before other believers, whether it was in a church building, in a lake, a river, an ocean, wherever, a swimming pool, And we each one symbolize by being buried to self, sin and Satan, to be raised to walk in newness of life. That is the newness of life that Paul is talking about here. This is what he's talking about when he writes to the Philippians. The resurrection power, the fellowship of suffering, the conformity to death. All of this is an evidence and a testimony of the resurrection that we have because we're dead to sin, dead to self, dead to Satan, and alive unto Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Romans it says, therefore we have been buried with him. 
through baptism. There it is, again, the scripture. Baptism unto death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might walk in the newness of life. You know what that walking is? That's doing life. That's you leaving here today and spending time with whomever it is that you spend time with, your family, friends, whomever. And in those times together and those conversations together, you're showing the reality of the fact that you have died to self, sin, and Satan, and you're living to Christ. And we've all been raised to to the glory of the Father. we took the time on a consistent basis and please hear me out because you need to hear all what I'm going to say to make this work on a consistent basis we made ourselves accountable to God to see if we have made progress in our relationship with God with knowing Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit well how do we do that well, week before last, a young man stood in my office going through a very difficult trial. And here was his answer. He said, if I had gone through this previously, I would not have handled it as well as I am. And he did so and said so to the glory of God. Those people that God keeps bringing in your life, and you're saying, oh God, can there be that many messed up people in this world? Really? Really? Can there be that many people who irritate me as badly as they do? And the answer is yes. There can be and yes there is. And guess why that's the case? Because if we are dead in Christ as we should, living for the glory of the Father, those things, those people, those circumstances, those events will not have the same effect on us as they did previously because we have grown in our time with Him. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For he who has died is what? For he who has died is what? Free from sin. Now what does that mean? See, prior to Christ coming in your life, you didn't have a choice. You were a slave to sin. Your nature, your damning nature wanted what it wanted, wanted it now, wanted it whatever it was. But because of the relationship you have in Christ and you have now died so that you're free from sin, that means you now have a choice. That doesn't necessarily mean you always make the right choice, but you at least have a choice. And you have the person and work of the Holy Spirit in your life to carry that choice out for his glory, the glory of the Father, the exaltation of Jesus Christ, and the honoring of the Holy Spirit. Back to Philippians. Not that I have already obtained. He says, I'm still, I'm still on this journey. We're all still on this journey. As long as we're sucking air, we're still on this journey. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on that I may hold on to that which also I have laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Now, that's to me as I read this, and I've studied it for decades now. When the moment that Jesus took me, the moment that he grabbed my life, the moment the Holy Spirit came in and started doing that work that only he could do, I wanted to hold on to my Christ. And I still do. But here's the amazing 
truth. He's holding me. He's holding me. And because he is, I'm on this journey. And you got to catch this too. Because where it says perfect, it says, I'm not there yet. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Remember again, you do the perspective. Look behind what's there. You don't wallow in it. If there's a need for confession, you confess it. If there's a need for repentance, you repent. Whatever there is that God gives you that needs to come out. Forgetting what lies behind and now reaching and forward to what lies ahead. What is it? The fullness of Christ and all of his work of grace and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, in your life, in our marriages, in our families, in our work, in our school, wherever we are. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, and look what it says. This is curious, I think. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect. Wait a minute. We just said we weren't. And now we're saying we are. How can that be? Here's the simple truth. Perfection being spoken of here is you and I being at that place that God desires for us on our journey as we move toward the ultimate perfection. Have this attitude. If in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that. Remember, that's that self-examination. And have people around you you can trust and be honest with and let them be honest with you. God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have obtained. And in Mark, he summons the crowd with him, his disciples, and says to them, as he would say to us today, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Did you hear that? He must deny himself. And we can only do that through the Holy Spirit. Take up his cross and follow me. Again, only done through the Holy Spirit. There is no way on this side of heaven that any of us can do what he is asking us to do unless it is done by the power and person and work of the Holy Spirit. For whoever wishes, excuse me, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. You're wanting what you want. You want it now. You want your stuff. You want her. You want him. You want it. You want that. And that's when you lose. Because you've chosen something over our Christ. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Now there's nothing wrong with stuff. There's nothing wrong with achievement. There's nothing wrong with any of those things unless... Those things have become our God rather than God. If that's you here today, then I'm going to encourage you to do two things to help with that. One is establish prayerfully today. This is a challenge now. A time of perspectiveness, introspection, if you want to call it. Not morbidly 
But just with the Holy Spirit's guidance to let him shine his light in your life and see what's there that's not supposed to be there. I'm going to give you a little analogy. Some of you may not get this, but it's kind of like, uh, well, it's, yeah, it's kind of like years ago. If you're in the school system, don't be offended by what I'm getting ready to say. Years ago, we had a family emergency in Ohio. We had to leave. And to do that, we had to, I had to go to the school and meet a teacher and a janitor to get my children's books and worksheets to take with us because of the medical emergency we had to leave for. I'll never forget that night we went in. And I could hear a little noise ahead of me as we walked down a dark hall. And then the janitor turned the lights on and I saw the cockroaches running down the hall. That's where the noise was coming from. As we progressed, because we had to go rather far into this particular school building, he would turn on another light and the noise would come up and the cockroaches would scurry down the hall. What were they doing? They were avoiding the light. When the Holy Spirit shines his light on us. Maybe it's not the same, but it's kind of like cockroaches. Those little things in us that we've been holding on to and harboring and we've been feeding. That's why they're still there. And some of them scurry to find a darker place. But oh, our God, he so lovingly wants to eliminate those, eradicate those from our lives, whatever it may be. So we can be, as Paul said, free from sin. Not having to succumb to all the temptations. Temptation isn't sin. It's the succumbing to the temptations of sin. So let me ask you to do that as a challenge. I would say a not good idea. It's Easter Sunday. You have a nice mark. Jesus died. He rose again on this weekend that we celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection. So let it be a time to just examine and see what's there and maybe what needs to be there. Or, and celebrate what is there this of God. Don't, this is all not about being morbid and ah, I, got, uh, I got all the stuff. Let the Holy Spirit be the one who determines that for you. And watch what the Holy Spirit of God does. Watch what he does. Listen to him as he speaks to you and as he ministers to your heart and life. And like I say, have those people around you you can trust to be honest with you. Not just, you know, look over your shortcomings and, and those who are just kicking the teeth. But find the ones who are honest and true. That's the first challenge. The second challenge is this. We have a lot of people in our community that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Did you know that? It's really a little bit of an embarrassment to me. I've been in this community for over 43 years now, and we still have people who don't know Jesus. By now, you would have thought we'd have told everybody. But we haven't. And please understand, they all have free will. So as we've shared it with them, maybe they didn't receive it. Or maybe, sadly, this is the one that breaks my heart. Maybe our life didn't demonstrate Jesus Christ in such a way that they would want our Christ. 
So when I talk about knowing him, I'm talking about knowing him in a way that would cause others to hunger and thirst after him because he is the bread and he is the drink. So when you leave today, there are people standing by each door and they're going to have these gospel tracts. We're not going to force feed anybody today. You'll have to make your own choice. But our challenge is this. As you leave and you choose to take one of these tracks, you're not choosing to take it to put it in your car, in your Bible, in your desk, or in a trash can. You're choosing to take it because you're going to believe the Holy Spirit of God is going to show you somebody who needs to hear the good news about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Why else would we celebrate Easter? I mean, really. I'm totally grateful, by the way. I appreciate the Easter outfits and the hats and all that good stuff. But I'm grateful that we're not at the place where we once were, where everybody had to wear some of that. And some people felt left out because they couldn't afford it. So thank you all for the transition we're in. And I celebrate the ones, especially the kids who wear the hats. Cute as they can be, aren't they? But why else celebrate Easter? Is it just another service? One time in a year? No, like the person said, it's resurrection at our house every day. So as you leave today, you'll be given the opportunity to get one of these. Take it with you. And then share it with someone who doesn't know Christ. Let's pray. Stand with me, please. Holy God, you are God. You're supreme, you're sovereign, you're righteous, you're just, you're true, you're amazing. And thank you right now, as you, Holy Spirit, have been working in each of our lives, your word does not return void. So thank you that the word that you've allowed to be spoken today, either in music or in message, that it penetrated each of our hearts in the way that's honoring and pleasing to you. Give us now that incredible transformed life that causes others to desire to know you as we know you and that we continue to know you even better. Thank you for this day. Every person here. But thank you most of all for the blessing of your presence and the difference it makes in how we live life how we do family, how we work at our jobs, and how we do when we're in school. Oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness, and love. And I bless each person now as they leave. I bless them in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, that every born-again child of God has the fullness of you. And every person that doesn't, Holy Spirit, that right now you bring conviction and a desire for the Christ that we love to be the Christ of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.